It all is an outflow of abiding in the true vine, Jesus. See, when we abide in him and he in us, that's when we bear the good fruit. When we get out from under that vine, away from that vine, oh, we're bearing fruit all right. Oh, don't mistake, we're still bearing fruit. It's rotten fruit, but it's still fruit, but not of the Lord. Welcome to This Day in the Word with Pastor John Couch, the radio teaching ministry of This Day Ministries. It is a joy to have you listening today, and we pray that you will be encouraged, challenged, and motivated to live for God like never before. And now, with today's message, here's Pastor John Couch. Father, we come before you, and I'm just reminded how desperate we really are, how in dire need we are for you, God, on every level. There's nothing in my life or those here today, God, there's nothing that we can truly look at and say, hey, we got this all buttoned up and we're good. Every area of our lives, we need help. And you are the helper. Not a helper. You're the only helper there really is. And so God, whether it's a struggle with sin, which I can identify with that, whether it's discouragement, whether it's just life in general is heavy and hard, you are the way maker, the miracle worker, the promise keeper, the light in the darkness. That's who you are. And so God, as we just stand in awe of you today, as we worship you, as we bow down to you as we bow our knee and our heart, our souls and our minds right now. Word of God, will you speak? Will you speak in a powerful way as we open the word? Illuminate it, God, like only you can through the power of the Holy Spirit. And God, we'll be quick to give you all the praise, to give you all the glory. God, hide me behind the shadows of the cross and help me to decrease while it's your name and your glory on display right now. And we pray this all in the mighty and the matchless name of King Jesus and all God's people said, amen. You may be seated and as you're being seated, take your Bible and we are back in the book of James today, Uh, James chapter one, going to be looking at just one verse today, James 1, 26. And so I pray you get that Bible open, get your notes there, uh, something to write with and And let's get excited about the Word today. Let's get excited about it. Let's dig into it deep. I I will warn you that this was a real tough text to deal with. Uh, Someone commented at the earlier service, they said, I feel like my toes were all stepped over this morning. And I said, imagine how my toes feel. They've been stepped over all week long preparing for this. Uh, It's one of those texts that is not easy, but it's needed in my life, your life. If we're really going to be a true follower of Christ, We're going to see how important this subject matter is today. And so in James chapter 1, again, just 1 verse 26, and the sermon title gives it away, but the sermon title, as you see there in your notes, is The Mouth and Worthless Religion. The Mouth and Worthless Religion, and how those two go hand in hand. And so here in God's Word, we're going to see just a beautiful, beautiful illustration from James of what this looks like, and 
And I want to make sure on the front end of this, I, I know this is easy to do. I'm guilty of this, but I know this is easy. As we dive into this word this morning, it's going to be real easy, real tempting to go, man, I'm so glad that so-and-so's here to hear this. Like, I'm so glad they're here. Man, I am just, thank you, Lord, for bringing them here. Haven't seen them for weeks. I am so glad they're here to hear this message. And yet I know from when I've done that, I'm guilty, that the reality is I need to hear it, that God needs to speak into my life today. And so here's what I'm asking of you and me today is just simply this. Let's dive into the scriptures. It's our, our school teacher, our master. It's the mirror, remember? It's the mirror. So we're going to look into the word of God today. We're going to look into it. And then don't worry about who's sitting next to you or someone you're thinking about it at work family member, just use it as I've done as a mirror. And just look at it and see it for what it is. Get honest, open, and real. God's going to work through it. But resist the temptation to begin to think as the words illuminated about thinking about that other person. Just think about yourself and what God wants to do through the word today. So here it is, one simple verse, James 1. We're almost to the end of James, by the way, Amen. We're almost there as far as that first chapter, that is. Not the end of James, but the first chapter. Here it is, James 1, 26. If anyone, so don't miss that, if anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. Well, let me read this again. Just make sure it sinks in. Just want to read it slowly. I'm looking at my life. You look at your life. Here it is. If anyone, anyone, thinks he's religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. Now jump up for a moment before we unpack this. Look at 23. Let's come down. Give us context. So verse 23 for if anyone, sounds familiar, is a hearer of the word and not a doer, not an obeyer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror, for he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, here we go, the law of liberty, the gospel, and perseveres. So he looks at the gospel, sees the mirror, it tells the truth, it doesn't lie. Be no hearer who forgets, but a doer, an obeyer who acts. He will be blessed in his doing. So here's the deal. So, so James is setting this up, and he's doing it so beautifully, like the Holy Spirit always does, right? Remember, the Holy Spirit speaking, uh, you can say rub-a-dub-dub, duck-duck-goose, and he'll somehow take that, and it's like, wow, right? Just illumination, illumination, illumination. And here through James, he's illuminating this very simple text because he's showing now in 26 what it means to obey, to do. And he says these words, here it is, and don't forget, God's not looking for partial obedience in my life and your life. He's not looking for that. He's not saying, hey, uh, John, hey, that was great. Man, I got, you know, seven out of 10 uh, you're batting 70%. That's a really strong batting average. That's good. I'm happy. No, he's always working, I pray, in my life. I pray he is. And I pray he's working in your life 
to get us to that point of glorification on that day, man. On that day, we will be like Jesus. And is anyone else, like is anyone else longing for that day? Like no more sin. It's going to be amazing, isn't it? Just think about that for a moment. What's going to be like on that day when we are in his presence and there's no more sin in my life, in your life? It's going to be awesome, isn't it? It's going to be gone, like forever. And so here's what James so beautifully says. Let's unpack it together. Verse 26, if anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue. So if anyone thinks, if anyone supposes, if anyone appears, if anyone, you could say it even like this, assumes. If anyone, so no one is outside the scope of this. We can't get around and say again, got this thing all buttoned up. Glad all you are listening to this. I'm over here. I'm good. That's not how this works. James is saying if anyone, so it's open to all of us, me at the top of the list. If anyone thinks, if I'm assuming, assuming gets us in trouble, doesn't it? I know it has me before. If I'm supposing, if it appears to be, if he thinks he's religious. Now, work with me on this. When you look at this word in the Greek language, it gives the, the picture, the portrait of this. External, that is showing our faith. So it's the external. For instance, let me give you an illustration. How many of you are here today? Raise your hand really high if you're here today. You're here. This is a really good thing. Amen. This is a good thing. We're not to forsake the assembling together. So this is a really, really good thing. We're here. This would be under this guise of, of this religion that we're doing something. This is a good thing. We want this. We encourage it. I can get up here and I can pray. That's a good thing. I can preach. That's a good thing. We can sing. Great thing. Fellowship. Really great thing. Amen. All these things are good things but they are external acts that prayerfully show what's really going on in our hearts. Prayerfully, we're here, right motives, and we're here for the reason to glorify God, right? That's our number one goal of this church, amen? We exist, number one, our mission statement, why do we exist? To glorify God, number one, to be a disciple of Jesus that makes disciples of Jesus. Really simple, but we never move, church. Let me say this very clearly. We never move from the first mission, and that's to give glory to God. Everything is an outflow and a byproduct of giving glory to God. So James says, if anyone, if you think, if you really think, look at your Bible, thinks he's religious and does not bridle his tongue. So he's an outward worshiper. Positive thing again, positive but he doesn't bridle. Now, for you horse riders, what does that mean to you if you like horses? What's a bridle used for? Well, a bridle, you put it on the horse, and what does it do? It guides the horse. It steers the horse. Yes, it controls the horse, doesn't it? That's exactly what James is saying here. You could say it like this. If anyone thinks he's religious, does the external, which is good, However, does not control, does not control what? His tongue. We have to understand this, this bridling not only means to control, but means to restrain and to hold in check. 
Now, we've studied this before because if you remember in our series here of this expositional study of James, in the preceding 25 verses, we've addressed this issue already, and James comes back to it. Uh, Not filler, not, hey, not sure what to write here. Let me just throw this in on the back end. No, there's a reason why he's doubling down, isn't there? Because this is a challenge. I know it's a challenge for me. I'm sure it's a challenge for you as well that it can be so tempting to allow what we say, and I've done it, to be damaging, to be very hurtful. I have to repent from that. I have to turn from that. You have to repent. You got to turn from it. James says, look, you can do all the external. You can go to church seven days a week. You can be baptized every day of the week. You can take communion every day of the week. You can do all of the external things. But if you don't keep that tongue under control, your religion, your outward is absolutely worthless. It's a sham. That's how important this is. I was processing that and thinking through it and... I was thinking of James 3, we're not there yet, we're in James 1, but James 3, to give you the cliff notes, is that the tongue is what? This, this little vessel, isn't it? It can be used for good, a power in death or in the life of the tongue, and yet when we think through that, it wields deadly poison, doesn't it? It's cutting, it can be sharp. And as I was processing that and thinking through it, I asked myself a question. I want to ask you the question out loud. So here's the question I asked myself. And the reality is, to be very truthful, is that when I answered the question, I I didn't score very high, to be blunt. I didn't score very high on this. Here's the question. Does the conduct of my mouth back up what I profess as a worshiper of God? Just ask yourself that. Just let it sink in for a moment because, again, I took the test and didn't score real high. was thinking of several instances even recently where I didn't score well. Let me ask the question again. Does the conduct of my mouth back up what I profess as a worshiper of God? Here's the great news. The great news is if you're like me and you didn't score well, when there's true repentance, a true humility, that God's grace is greater, amen? Don't miss this. This isn't, you know, do this, do that, uh, you know, trying to achieve salvation. That's not what we're talking about here. This is from the salvation. Like if you're not saved today, if you're not rescued, if you have not truly given your heart to Christ, your life to Christ, this is a moot point. I want to let the cat out of the bag. Man, I pray you get saved. We'll deal with sanctification on the other side, but I pray you get saved. This is for the true believer that I pray everyone here is saved, that you've given your life to Christ truthfully. But we know we're still in this battle, don't we? Man, we are still stumbling forward. Man, we're struggling. Some days are really, really good in some areas. And by the way, what you struggle with isn't necessarily what I struggle with, but here's the deal. We are all struggling, amen? I mean, let's just get honest and open. It's okay. Actually, we need to do that. Man, we're all struggling. I'm struggling. You're struggling. We're in this life of a deep struggle. That's why we need Jesus, It just shows even further why we need him. You can't pull yourself up by your own bootstraps. You can't get through life on your own. We need the Lord. 
And when you think through that, here's our key number one. I want you to write this down. Very important in your notes. Here's key number one. God's work in our lives is on full display. Don't miss that. When we restrain, keyword, when we restrain from saying things that are not of him. Let me repeat this again. Let it sink in. Here's key number one for your notes. God's work in our lives is on full display, a billboard, a neon sign. When we restrain from saying the things that are not of him. Now, here's a note here. I've already alluded to this, but I in my own strength can't restrain my mouth. I can't do it. I've tried. It won't happen. See, this is why this is so important, church. Please hear my heart on this. This is why this is so important. I, your pastor, need it. You need it. We need to be in the fellowship of believers. We need to be in the Word. We need to be in fervent prayer. We need to be in deep study together in smaller groups. If we are going to conquer this challenge, that is a challenge in all of our lives to some degree, no one's immune from this thing. No one is. If we're going to conquer this, we cannot neglect the things of the Lord that are going to allow us to conquer this. I was thinking even further through that thought. One commentator said this. I thought this was really good. Listen to what this guy said. Discretion in speech is better than fluency of speech. Isn't that good? Let me say that again. Discretion in speech is better than fluency of speech. So when I gave my life to Christ and you gave your life to Christ, here's the deal. Jesus didn't rescue everything and leave out our mouth. Amen. Like he didn't go, hey, I'm going to rescue you. And I'm just going to, the mouth, that's a whole different deal. And you know, you're done. No, because we know this is what we're going to learn in a moment that the mouth and the heart are tied together. When we truly give our lives to Christ, we are giving him all of us, not just part of us. We're giving him everything to use. That we'll say, Lord, I want you to use me for your glory. And yet, as I've learned even recently, it's easy to be deceived, isn't it? It's easy. It's easy to be deceived. It's easy to think I'm going in the right direction. It's easy. I mean, really easy. And that's why we need one another. We need the Lord. We need his word. Speaking of his word, write this down as a supporting verse. Proverbs 10, 19. Write that down. Proverbs 10, 19. I've quoted it before. It's an incredible verse. It's so simple, so rich in wisdom. Here's what the ESV says. It says it like this, when words are many, transgression is not lacking. So connect the two dots here. A lot of words, sin's not lacking, but whoever restrains his lips is prudent or wise. Think about that for a moment. So when words are many, I, you, that's when we typically say something that we're like, Either right then we're grabbing the words, right? We're, oh boy, how did that get out? Or maybe it's days, weeks, months, maybe years later that we look back on that and go, what was I thinking? How and why did I say that? And I can look back on my life at those instances 
and I got out from under the word. I was not perhaps in the fellowship like I should have been. I was not praying like I certainly should have. It all is an outflow of abiding in the true vine Jesus. See, when we abide in him and he in us, that's when we bear the good fruit. When we get out from under that vine, away from that vine, oh, we're bearing fruit all right. Oh, don't mistake, we're still bearing fruit. It's rotten fruit, but it's still fruit, but not of the Lord. You know, I was looking at that phrase, look at it in your Bible again, if anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue. I was wondering, why didn't James, by the power of the Holy Spirit, say, hey, if anyone thinks he's religious, hey, if you think you're religious, all that's going on here today, all that you're doing for the Lord, all the good things that we want all of us to keep doing, by the way, good stuff. But if we're doing this, why didn't James say he must bridle his mind? Why didn't he say he must bridle his heart? Why didn't he say he must bridle his actions? Well, he explains it here next when he says this powerful thought, and here it is, four simple words in my Bible, but deceives his heart. Now think about this. So let's make sure we're clear on this church when I dive into these things that are not of the Lord with my mouth and I grieve and I quench the Holy Spirit and I see it happen typically in three areas inside the church, inside the home, and I'm guilty. I see complaining, guilty. I see gossip, guilty. I see slander, guilty. Those are the big three that I typically see the enemy working in that he works in us, doesn't he? That he takes that, that crevice, he pushes through, uh, we're tempted, and we partake of the morsel, the tasty trifle. And what happens is, you see those three things that are on full display so often, yes, inside the church house often. Complaining and gossip and slander. And, and by the way, I looked them up, but these are not spiritual gifts. You won't take your spiritual gift test today and go, oh man, I was hoping to... Hoping to score really high and complaining. Now it's not on there. I, I looked it up and it's certainly not part of the fruit of the Spirit, Galatians 5. No, these are things that are not of the Lord. And yet they're so easy to do, isn't it? Like today, it's so easy to go, wow, man, it's hot out there. Like it is hot. And I'm not careful, I man, I'm complaining. It seems so simple. And that's the whole premise. They are rationalized, respectable sins. Hey, I'm not robbing banks, not sleeping around, not throwing rocks at people. So I'm good. But how about my mouth? Am I complaining? Am I gossiping? Am I slandering? Those in my family, in the body of Christ, at work, wherever it might be. He says, but deceives his heart. That's what happens. See, that's what happens when we are religious. Man, I went to church today, and man, I was good, and I checked off all the boxes, right? We love to do that, right? But check off the boxes. That's not what God's looking for. He's looking for a relationship 
that is intense, a relationship that's abiding, a relationship where there's true coin and knee and oneness, him and us individually, he's looking for that intimacy. Not just a bunch of rules and regulation. We often say that, that God's not looking for religion, he's looking for relationship. Isn't that so true? And here, James says, look, if you think, if anyone thinks that he is religious, Man, I went to church today. I even went to the 8.30 service. Man, God must really be impressed with me. No, it's not that. Because if we don't bridle our tongues, if we don't control these little vessels that are encaged behind teeth and lips, there's two walls that thing's got to get out of before it does its thing. And Remember the two ears that are up high on the head and so often we don't use those, but we use that tongue. What does it mean to be deceived? Well, you know this, we've studied it. It means this, to be cheated, to be swindled, to be duped, to be tricked, to be seduced, to be led astray. So think through that for a moment. I mean, just listen to the Word of God, how powerful this one verse is. So in all its totality, when you look at this one verse, here it is. If anyone thinks he's religious, all the external, which again is good. We want the external because the external with a proper motive of my heart and your heart will show where our heart really is. So if anyone thinks he's religious and doing all these external things, here we go, and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart. Did you notice that when James wrote this by the power and the illumination of the Holy Spirit, that James did not say that he deceived someone else's heart? See, there are times in life, maybe you did a business deal, and you did the business deal, you signed the contract, and you got home, and you're like, man, I got swindled. I lost my shirt on this thing. I got rinsed. Man, this thing was horrible. That's when that happens to you. James is not saying this is happening to you. James is saying, I'm the one actually doing this. I'm the one going, I'm going to go deceive myself today. Look what I'm doing. I'm a pastor. Look what I'm doing. Man, I talk about the Lord. I pray with people. And yet when I complain, when I slander, when I gossip, I'm actually revealing where my heart really is. This is a deadly disease that will destroy your home, your business, your ball team, and your church. It will destroy it. That's how serious this is. I was processing that even further and just thinking about that deception, it's personal, as I mentioned. And I want to write down key number two, and I, I pray you, you join me in that right now, key number two in your notes. So here it is, key number two, write it down. As our hearts are prone to wander, that's W-A-N-D-E-R, not W-O-N, wander, from that great song, prone to wander, prone to leave the God I love. Love that stanza. As our hearts are prone to wonder, one way in which this occurs is when we speak first versus listening. When we speak first versus listening. This can be a real struggle, amen? I'm guilty of this. I'm guilty. I'm guilty. It's, it's not easy to listen, especially when there's a conflict, especially in a conflict you don't agree with. And man, you want to say something, right? It's not true. Or whatever it might be, and you're like, man, you got to say something. 
It's just easy. It's, again, that reflex. It's, you know, you've been punched and you just kind of punch back, don't you? That's part of the flesh, the weakness of the flesh. But don't miss this here. Don't miss this, church. Don't miss the connection. Look in your Bible between the heart and the tongue. Don't miss this. Go back up to that verse, that one verse. So here it is. If anyone thinks he's religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart. Look at the connection here. So you got the tongue uh, barricaded behind teeth and lips. You got the heart, the person, not the physical heart, but the heart of the person, who I am. Don't miss this connection here. The two are partners in crime. You say, how do you know? Well, write down Galatians 6.3. Write that down, Galatians 6.3. And as you're writing that down, I want to I wanna give you two statements that the Lord spoke to me, and again, convicting to me. But I pray God will speak into your life right now. So here are two statements. Self-examination. Here it is. The mouth reveals, exposes, and gives proof of what is in my heart, of what is in your heart. So when, not if, when you and I, when we say things from our mouth, it's revealing what's in our hearts. And again, this is not for that person that right now, right now it's so easy. You don't want to look over your shoulder, right? But you're going, man, I'm so glad they're here to hear this. I get this. I'm in this body of death too. Don't look at anyone else, just me, you. And I'm looking at myself going, I'm guilty. I'm guilty. But here's the other thought that God hit me with here late last night. And I wrote it down. The sin in my life that I minimize the enemy maximizes. Let me say that again. The sin in my life, not yours, I'm talking about me. The sin in my life that I minimize, I rationalize, the enemy maximizes. Ah, a little gossip's not a big deal. A little slander's not a big deal. A little complaining's not a big deal. It is a big deal. God's Word says it's a big deal. And if God's Word says it's a big deal, it's got to be a big deal to me. got to be a big deal to you. You're listening to This Day in the Word, the radio teaching ministry of This Day Ministries. All of Pastor Couch's messages are archived and are free to download at thisdayministries.org. In addition, you can share your prayer requests with us via email. Our email address for prayer requests is prayer at thisdayministries.org. That's prayer at thisdayministries.org. And now, back to This Day in the Word with Pastor John Couch. Galatians 6.3, here it is. Love this verse. For if anyone thinks, sounds familiar, doesn't it? You got James writing, now you got Paul writing. For if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, what does he do? He deceives himself. Do you now see, here we go, I got my heart, who I am, I got this tongue, that is so difficult to tame. Only the Holy Spirit can tame this little beast. I can't do it. I got my heart who I am and this tongue who wants to lash out and to defend and wield poison. And then in the middle of all this, I got, as Edward says, the worst viper in the heart, pride. So if anyone thinks he's something, man, I'm the sauce. God, I'm glad you brought me on your team. And I know you're glad too. 
You know, imagine that we have that thought, that pridefulness. I'm just living in deception. And again, someone's not deceiving me. I'm deceiving myself. I mean, who woke up this morning going, man, I can't wait to get to the church house to deceive myself. Well, that'd be silly. Of course you don't. Of course I don't. That is the whole point of deception. It is so subtle. It is the carbon monoxide of sin. Like you don't, I don't even know what's happening. I'm just being deceived, thinking I'm doing the right thing, thinking I'm going the right way. And what happened is I've been led astray. I've been swindled. I've been duped. I've drunk the Kool-Aid, so to speak. How about Matthew? Write this one down. I love this. So so Matthew 12, write this down. You're going to need this. This is a linchpin verse here, a launch verse, a point of axis, if you will, that is going to be so critical in this thought process. Matthew 12, 33 through 37, Jesus has been speaking to that great group called the Pharisees. And man, they're just a, a great bunch of people, aren't they? Boy, they are so humble and their hearts are in the right place. Matter of fact, that's a lie because uh, they're just what we're talking about. And I'm not pointing a finger. What I'm doing is illustrating. I don't want to be one and I pray you don't either. Like, let's help one another. Let's don't be a Pharisee. Because the Pharisees are exactly what James is talking about here. All the religion, right? All the external, man, they looked the part. They wore the right clothes. They said the right things. But everything was a show. It was all a performance because the heart was rotten. Jesus even said, hey, you are like whitewashed tombs full of dead men's bones. Man, the outside of your dish is really, really clean. But man, I look on the inside and go, "Ooh, wow, that thing is ugly in there. The external, here we go, the external, the religion, which can be very good, by the way. Man, we want you here. We want you at the prayer walk tonight. Hint, hint, hint. We want you doing all these external things because they're really, really good. But if the heart is rotten, you can't keep up the charade very long. At some time, it's going to be exposed for what it really is. And I pray when that happens, I pray we respond with humility and brokenness and contrition and repent in whatever areas we got to work on. And I got so many, the list is like, my list is now wrapping around to the second page. You know, it's just a list. But man, I'm stumbling forward. I pray you're stumbling forward with me. That will give God all the glory, amen. So here it is. So deception. So again, that key number two. Here's Matthew. Love this. Matthew 12. Look at it. Here it is in your Bible. Either make the tree good and its fruit good or make the tree bad and its fruit bad. We alluded to that earlier. We're all producing fruit. It's either good fruit, holy, God-honoring, or it's rotten, stinky, not honoring the Lord. For the tree is known by its fruit. 34, who's Jesus speaking to again? Not a trick question. Pharisees, good. You brood of vipers. Again, not a compliment. In case you're wondering, he's not saying, go Pharisees, get out his pom-poms. Man, you guys are awesome. Keep it up. No, he's calling them a brood of vipers. If he calls you and me that, don't take that as a compliment. How can you speak good when you're evil? Question. 
For out of the abundance of the what? The heart, the mouth does what? Speaks. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. 35, the good person out of his good treasure brings forth good, and the evil person out of his evil treasure brings forth evil. Now look at 36. I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give an account. So, like, don't miss that. Don't miss that. Yes, we're redeemed. We're under the blood. But there's still a judgment. It's called the Bema seat, the judgment seat of Christ for you that are truly saved. You will stand in judgment. Here's the good news. Here's the great news. The great news is this, that when it's real, it wasn't a sham. It wasn't just religion. It wasn't just raise a hand, say a prayer, do a cartwheel, sign a card, hocus pocus, fire insurance. When it's not those things, but it's real, I've given my life to Christ it's not perfect. Many days it's a mess, but we give our lives to Christ. We're stumbling forward. We're growing in Christ. When that's real, we will stand at what's called the Bema Seat. And at the Bema Seat, there's going to be an account given, but here's the great news. The greatest trial attorney, like Perry Mason on spiritual steroids, named Jesus Christ, comes on the scene. And he goes, I'm covering you. That's my boy. That's my girl. They're under my blood. They're mine. And for who the Son sets free is free indeed. That we are sealed for the day of redemption. That king, when he would take that letter, he would mail it off. He would take that, what he would write on, and it would be folded to some degree, and he would take that signet ring, that king, the king, his ring, and the, the wax would be hot, and he, he would dip the ring in the wax, and as he took it out of the wax, he would take that folded letter, and he would seal it. It was stamped with the king. Like the king, the king himself has stamped your letter for you that are in Christ. He dipped it in his blood on the cross of Jesus Christ and he stamps your life, your letter with his blood. And the Bible says this, that you are now sealed forever for the day of redemption. If that's not a hallelujah shouting time moment, I don't know what is. We're sealed. Because here's what happens. I tell you, verse 36 of Matthew 12, on that day you'll give an account for what? Every careless word. Every careless word they speak. I don't know about you, but that's pretty frightening. I got a lot of careless words that have been spoken. 37, for by your words you will be justified, and by your words you'll be condemned. I know what some of you are thinking, well, I was justified at the cross. That's true. The whole point of what Jesus is trying to communicate here to those Pharisees, look back at James. Look at the connection. This is the beauty of the Bible. This is what makes the Bible so glorious. Do you see the connection between Matthew 12 and James 1.26? That here you have two similar thoughts, two different writers completely writing apart from one another. They're saying, look, if your outward is what you're hanging your hat on, if your outward is, man, I got a blue ribbon when I was in second grade in Sunday school. If you're hanging your hat on that, good luck. No, it's not what we do, it's whose we are. 
And when we are Christ, when we have given our life to Christ, when we have truly given our lives to Him, as I've said before, who we are and what we do will take care of itself. Don't worry about what you do right now. Focus on whose you are. And if you and I put all of our energy into whose we are, who we are, and what we do will take care of itself. I love this thought that continues in James because here's our last part of this. And it's a real simple wrap-up. James puts a real big red bow on this. He says, this person's religion is what? Worthless. So again, don't miss this. So he's speaking to me. I'm not looking to you, not looking to anyone else in the room. I'm just looking to me. And what this tells me is a couple things. That God's word is true. And God takes sin very, very seriously. People again, and I've done it in my own life by my actions, well, this really isn't a big deal. Let me illustrate it like this. So Jesus Christ, he, he comes to the earth. He's God incarnate. He lives a sinless life. I could care less what movies Netflix is making about my Savior right now. I could care less the nonsense, the wickedness, the foolishness that is coming out. That's just simply what I'm talking about. That's darkness versus light. Uh, we want to continue to rebel against truth, so we're going to make up deception about King Jesus. I don't care what they say. I don't care. It doesn't matter because it's not true. I know who my Jesus is. And when we rest in that, you see very, very clearly in this that it's this person. It's me. It's this person, not the person next, not over here, not over there. It's me, this person, my religion, my external things I do, even for the Lord, are absolutely worthless if I do not bridle my tongue, if I don't control it, if I don't rest in the Holy Spirit and allow Him to do the controlling. What happens, though, is I do this. In my brokenness, when I'm sinning, there's a brokenness in the relationship. And the more that I sin and the more that you sin, we now are beginning to quench and grieve the Holy Spirit that resides where, by the way? Do we know? Where does the Holy Spirit reside for the true believer in Jesus? In us. So if you're a true believer here today, and again, I pray that everyone is, from young child to senior adult, that seasoned, not old, seasoned, praise Jesus, amen. Here's the good news if you're a true child of Jesus, you and I have the Holy Spirit living with inside of us. So everywhere we go, we take the Holy Spirit with us. So when I talk, when, not if, when I say things that are not of the Lord, I am walking according to the flesh, not according to the Spirit that lives inside of me. And the Bible says this, I cannot please God when I walk according to the flesh. How do we not walk according to the flesh? How do we not do this? Think about that for a moment. How do we not walk according to the flesh? Well, it's real simple. Are we among the fellowship of believers? Are we praying daily? Are we in God's word? Are we reading devotionals that honor the Lord? Are we listening to podcasts that honor the Lord? See, here's the deal. There is so much noise all around us. 
that it doesn't take me, not you, it doesn't take me very long to go off the rails. Like I can get in the parking lot and go off the rails here in just a moment. I have to constantly, this is me talking, I have to put up guardrails and bumpers everywhere I go of just truth. Just truth. I got to constantly be putting truth around me because when I don't, that's when I do go off the rails. That's when I do say something I shouldn't say. My mouth takes over. I'm in the flesh. I'm not walking according to the Spirit. That's why this is so mission critical because otherwise our religion is worthless. What's that mean? Useless, of no purpose, vain, empty, devoid of truth. There it is. So all the things we do, we can serve, we can be a pastor, be a deacon, Sunday school teacher, fill in the blank. Just go on and on and on and on. You can even go down to the church house and pull weeds, praise Jesus. You can even do that. And in spite of all those outward actions, if I have a tongue that's not bridled under the control of the Holy Spirit, it's literally devoid of truth, my religion, my outward expression. So here's key number three, our last key. Write it down. Here it is. Key number three. One of the most potent ways that we ruin, don't miss that, that we ruin our witness for the gospel is when we do not bridle our tongues. Let me say it again. Key number three. One of the most potent ways that we run our witness for the gospel is when we do not bridle our tongues. I made this statement. I'll read it to you. Regardless of all the areas that seem to indicate that we are a worshiper of God, if we habitually, that's the key, if we habitually have a tongue that is loosey-goosey, we are showing a watching world that we are not under the control and not in submission to the Holy Spirit. So when I speak like I shouldn't, when you speak like you shouldn't, we're actually a billboard. We're showing our family, we're showing our church, we're showing our neighbors, we're showing our co-workers that at least for that moment, man, we are rebelling against the Holy Spirit. We are not in submission to the two don't go hand in hand. They contradict. Light and darkness, light and darkness. That's the simple explanation of what you see going on in our country today is just light versus darkness. You are watching Ephesians 6, 10 and following played out on the television screens of life today. Light, darkness, light, darkness. But we see it in our own hearts. I see it in my heart. I see the damage I do. I have to repent from that. I'm working on it. I'm a work in progress, and some days are good, and some days are real crummy, to be honest with you, amen? But we press on. How about our last verse under key three? Write this down. Just, I love this from Isaiah. Isaiah 29, 13. Isaiah 29, 13. And the Lord said, so you got Isaiah, you got kids of Israel, and the Lord said, so anytime you see and the Lord said, like, if you're taking a nap, wake up, amen. Thus saith the Lord. What happened to thus saith the Lord, by the way? What happened? Like, what happened in our culture to thus saith the Lord? Has he lost his power? No. Thus saith the Lord. And the Lord said, because this people, they draw near with their mouth 
and they honor me with their lips, don't miss this, while their what? While their hearts are far from me. Do you see the connection again? It's easy, isn't it? And the older we get, here it is, the older we get, the temptation, the temptation to allow, to allow this, to allow what I do for the Lord to now supersede where my heart is with the Lord begins to creep in, doesn't it? It's just easy to do. Uh, you've seen this happen before, I'm sure. Hey, uh, you know, I uh, met, met Tim recently. Oh, great. Tell me about Tim. Well, Tim's a, Tim's a good church-going guy. Well, that's a good thing. Amen. That's a good thing. Don't miss that. It's a really good thing. We want that to happen. But what does that really mean? Like, what does that mean? Like, I can go to church. I can actually, I can be a pastor and not truly know the Lord. That's actually possible. So what does that mean? Well, I go to church. Great thing. Awesome. We want it to happen. We want to fill the room up. Amen. But if we leave it there, see, that's the disconnect. That's the American way, right? Well, I'm a good church-going person. Okay, great. That's awesome. But tell me about what the Lord's doing in your life. Uh, tell me about what He's revealing in your life. Tell me about the struggles in your life. You know, now the conversation goes silent, right? Because we've limited it to the salvation by what we do. And salvation is not by what we do. Salvation is what He did for us on the cross. And through that grace and that mercy and that substitutionary atonement that did the one thing that you and I can never do, and that's where He saved you and I from ourselves. Isaiah, I love this. And the Lord said, because His people, they draw near with their mouth, external, honor me with their lips, external, while their hearts, internal, are far from me. See, the heart and the mouth, when it's truly redeemed and saved, even though there is still a war going on, it's a war until that day of glorification, there's always going to be that war, but there's going to be, when we're under the work of the Holy Spirit, not grieving, not quenching, there will be a working together, going in one direction, even though the war is going on. So here's your takeaway question. Write this down. Takeaway question. Very simple question, as you see there. Do I regularly practice restraining what I say? So here's the key on this, is God was challenging me, regular and practice. So is there an intentionality on a frequent basis to practice what I say? Again, the reflex over time, if this has been going on for years in my life and your life, it, it may take a little while to be blunt, but start stumbling towards Jesus in this area. Don't be, don't be content to go, it's not a big deal. It is a big deal. How do you know in God's Word it says it's a big deal? So here's our action step. Write this down, action step. Here's how we're going to get there. By the power of the Holy Spirit, don't miss that. Like, don't miss that. That is the key. By the power of the Holy Spirit, now what do I do under His power? I resolve by His power. How often? Daily. Don't do this thing once a week. Don't say, hey, when I get to church, I'm going to bridle my tongue for 
the time I'm there, no, daily, all the day long, to bridle my tongue. I resolve daily to bridle my tongue and to therefore live a testimony of the gospel working within my life. So think through this. So let me read it again. Action step. Here it is. By the power of the Holy Spirit, I resolve. I'm going to repent. I'm going to see it for what it is. I'm looking at me. You're looking at you. No one else around. Let's repent today together to daily begin to bridle our tongues and to therefore live a testimony of the gospel working within my life. And no complaining, no gossip, no slander. Let's, let's have just zero tolerance policy. If we have a tolerance for all the big sins in life, I mean, just think through this. If we go, okay, we're going to break this thing down into little sins, big sins. It's not how God looks at it, by the way. But if we do that, you're going to see what's going on in our culture today, right? I mean, if we were to do this, can you imagine we would go off the rails and say, you know what, uh, I just think we're a little too strict. And so, you know what, uh, you know, if you do want to murder people, uh, if you do want to sleep around, if you uh, do want to do whatever you want to do, you just do it. And you know what, we're going to loosen the reins here. That's just utter chaos. It's wickedness. It's foolishness. Do you understand this? That in the quote unquote small sins of life, we still reap the same consequences. Like if I'm a complainer, if I'm a gossiper and a slanderer, those things are deadly. They will destroy again. They're that carbon monoxide. You don't see it. You don't smell it. It's there though. And it's working. So I'm going to give you two verses for our action step as we conclude here. So I'm going to give you two verses. So write these down. These are glorious verses. They refreshed my soul because, man, this one's been a challenge for me because this is a big area of struggle in my life. And so here are the two verses I want to give you to encourage you. Write them down. Here it is, number one, Psalm 39.1. Psalm 39.1. Here's what the psalmist writes. I will guard my ways that I may not sin with my tongue. Isn't that good? I'm going to guard my ways. There's that intentionality there. I'm going to guard my ways. There's an intentional focus. I'm going to guard it. I'm going to get up and guard my ways that I may not sin with my tongue. And then lastly, here it is, Psalm 141, verse 3. 141, verse 3. Set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. Set a guard over it today. Oh God, will you do that? Set a guard over our mouths. Keep watch over the door of my lips. So here's our verse. If anyone thinks he's religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. Father, we come before you today. God, as we hear the truth of your word today, the challenge of your word, the struggle that we go through with these mouths that so easily tear down versus build up, so easily destroy. God, I just pray, would you continue to work in my heart in this as I have much room to grow? And God, perhaps there's others in the room today that would echo the same sentiment. Perhaps there's someone here right now that's saying, I mean, I'm struggling in this area. The Holy Spirit's speaking to my life right now and I know I struggle here. God, I pray very simply, will you hear that prayer right now? That person who's crying out to you right now, who in humility says, this is me. I need some help. 
God, your word is so, so powerful. It says that if we lack wisdom from James, that you will give liberally to all without finding fault. But we must believe and not doubt. Otherwise, we're like that wave that's blown and tossed to and fro in the sea. God, I pray as you speak, Holy Spirit, as you speak, for maybe this area, but maybe another area. Maybe the Holy Spirit through this teaching today, maybe He has brought something new into your life that maybe you didn't see. Maybe there's another error in your life today that there's self-deception. And the Holy Spirit right now is illuminating, saying, let's deal with that. And so God, whatever you want to do in this time, this is your time. Uh, we give you the praise. We give you the glory. Don't allow us to rebel. But help us right now to have open hearts. Hearts that are not stony, not rebellious, not stiff-necked, but hearts that are pliable and flexible and say, that's me. I need to grow. I gave my life to, to Christ you know, 10 years ago. I professed Christ 10 years ago. and There's very little fruit, if I'm honest, in my life. Good fruit, that is. So maybe today's your day and you're saying, I want today to be a day where I begin to live for the Lord like never before, but I need some help. We're here to help you. That's why we're here. We want to help you. And so God, would you speak? Give us the courage to do whatever you want us to do, whatever that is. And God, we'll give you the praise. We'll give you the glory. And we pray this in Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen, amen. You've been listening to This Day in the Word, the radio teaching ministry of This Day Ministries. Don't forget that all of these messages are archived and are free to download at thisdayministries.org. That's thisdayministries.org. In addition, if you have been blessed by the teaching of God's Word during This Day in the Word, we would love to hear from you. Our email address is info at thisdayministries.org. Thanks again for listening as we strive to honor Christ and impact our world as we spend this day in the Word.